Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today on Barbecue Tech, I'm your host, Rod Simmons, joined by my partner in crime, my barbecue master, Chris Ashley, and we are going to talk about reheating your barbecue when you're doing a massive party, but you got to get some food cooked ahead of time. What up, dog? It's been a little while for us to get together. It's been a little while, a little break, a little experimentation in between, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but we're back with another season of Barbecue on Tech. Shout out to all the people that reached out, uh, while we were off and all the new fans we've gained and you had quite the experience on a trip that you took, right? (laughs) I forgot about that grill. Oh my gosh. I sent you photos of that grill, didn't I? Well, you had two experiences. So you had this janky grill that you had to use with your family on your vacation, but then you did a work trip where you actually bumped into a wife of a fan. Uh, oh, no, no, that was, a. Uh, I think, was that the work trip when I ran into a gentleman who actually, I believe he works for Amazon, and he came by to say hello, uh, but I happened oh. to not be there. That, that's so that was three. Talking. So, yeah, so that's three. I forgot about that one. So, oh, yeah, you yeah, were yeah, at yeah, a yeah, show. The, yeah, the wife, yes, and yes. somebody came by to talk to you about the podcast, which was super cool. So, hey, and whoever that was, which Rod has said he was super sorry that he missed you. Uh, during that, uh, he was so excited. He actually called me to, you know, to, uh, was excited to meet you. So sorry you, you didn't make it back, uh, but next time. And then you had the janky grills that you had to cook on, which, you know, oh, you got to dig gosh. deep with your experiences for that. But then you ran into a wife, uh, that was interested about the show. And then they called her husband. He was like, yeah, I'm already with <laughs> Already a listener. That is, there's nothing better. Uh, and I, that to me, that speaks mounds when someone is, uh, looking to get into your show and then only to later realize that, well, looking to get their spouse into your show when they learn about it and only later realize that their spouse is already like, I'm one up on you too late, too bad. So sorry. So, so yeah, that's so always prop- awesome stuff. So whoever that was props to you. Shout out. Uh, this is your shout out on the show and uh shout out to all our patrons who, uh, who have been supporting us and, uh, helping us, uh, get some new stuff to uh, test out. We have some pretty cool stuff lined up for this season. Um, and I'll just tell you now, well, no, I'm going to hold this, the, the big, the big one for the season. I'm going to hold on to that, but something really cool. I think there's, there's a lot of people will be interested to hear, but, uh, today we want to talk about reheating barbecue but 
we've mentioned it in passing before, but not just reheating barbecue as in leftovers, but reheating barbecue as part of the plan for a large event. Because, you know, the reality is not everybody has a giant smoker like myself where you could literally cook everything you're going to need for the party uh, right out the gate. You know, some people use their grills. Some people have smaller smokers and there's a lot more planning involved. And we've done episodes talking about how to plan for large events. Um, you know, we've talked about reheating barbecue, but we kind of combined both of those things into uh, w- into putting on a party. And so specifically, Rod had a party for his son. Congratulations, sir. First one off the college. And uh, he had a massive barbecue. Uh, was it 50 people? Did you stick to that or uh, more or less? There, there's about 60 total people there. So it was, it was large. People. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's a fairly large uh, cookout barbecue. And uh, he catered all the food. And uh, he just asked his boy to give him a hand with it. Now, normally, I would have been like, no problem. I got you back. But there was a twist on this one. And that was the fact that I was heading on vacation. <laughs> so unfortunately, we we took our uh, quick family vacation and we had to schedule it for the week uh, that we did, which uh, overlapped with Rod's party because the um, we had we had to take our dog with us. So normally we have somebody that can uh, keep him for a week for us. But, uh, you know, everybody was Rod had to party and uh, other stuff going on. And the the only week that was available at the place we wanted to stay at and we wanted to stay at that particular hotel because right across the street was a charger for my new truck. Uh, So it was just everything was convenient about it except for the date. So. we we took our dog with us on vacation, my little Frenchie. Um, so I ended up having to miss the uh, graduation party. But with that said, you know, Rod and I began planning because I told him, well, I'm not going to be there, but I can still help you with the barbecue. And so why don't we uh, talk about the menu real quick, Rod? What did what did you actually end up uh, serving? Yeah. So and that's that's where it gets dicey. So with 60 people, uh, I'll start off with. You always want to have, no one wants, while everybody says they don't want to have a lot of leftovers after a party, there's the worst thing you can deal with with any party is not having enough of something early in the party. So I knew that we had people of varying eating requirements coming to the party. Uh, a couple of people I knew were coming were pescatarian slash vegetarian, actually one vegetarian. So I wanted to make sure I could somewhat accommodate something that they could eat. Then, and for the pescatarians, it's very easy. They eat fish, so it's salmon. Perfect. I can smoke a salmon. That's done and dusted. Then you need, if you're doing a large party, you're not trying to cater to every individual person. Like, I'm not going to grill like 60 steaks. That's just madness and, and honestly would break the budget. You want to have food that a lot of, that it take, it's not high cost. A lot of people can eat from. So I got two pork shoulders and that was something easy. I could throw that on the night before. I could put it in uh, the caterades that Chris has, which are, oh my gosh, those things are money. I love them. Um, put those in. And I know that right at, right at the beginning of the party, we could pull those and, you know, put, you know, separate the juice, put them on, they're ready to go. Um, but I also needed pork shoulders and, or sorry, um, not pork shoulders, briskets. 
and because I knew that we could serve a lot. So I did order another brisket from uh, Snake, Snake River, River Farms. And I actually, rather than going with the gold brisket, I went with the black because I was like, I've done gold. I know it's amazing, but let me try the black and see if I save a couple bucks. If the quality is still there, let me be very clear. It is absolutely there. No doubt about it. So I went yeah. with a 22 pounder, uh, black from them. And I also went to our tried and true, uh, butcher. The largest they had at that time was 14 pounds. Right. So I got one from them as well. And again, our, our local butcher, butcher, it looked fantastic. But really Chris's, well. Chris, and I also did six racks of ribs. So I have a uh, a Max grill smoker uh, smoker, but it's Mac grills makes smokers. There's no physical way I could smoke all that food and have it ready for the party. And with Crispy and out of town, I don't. While I've had him smoke food for me, I don't know how to run a smoker, nor would I feel comfortable putting that much food and trying to run his smoker and think I could get out efficiently. So we just that with- much smooth in, in general, you know, if you don't have the experience doing it, it, it's a lot of work and a lot of preparation and a lot of timing. And so, yeah, it uh, definitely you, you would need help doing that, which yep. was fine. I, I was more than willing to do. So we have two briskets. We have six racks of ribs. We have two pork shoulders. We had a smoked salmon. You made a vegetarian curry lentil to go with that. Then we for sides, we did fresh made coleslaw. We Big did beans. uh we did a seasoned up uh, canned baked beans and then yeah. you did macaroni and cheese as a side. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then did you do any other sides other than that? Yeah, we had a couple other sides. Like my wife made like uh, a pasta salad uh, okay. and I f- and then some pe- we had a couple of people bring stuff that I knew was going to be inconsequential. Well, I shouldn't say inconsequential. It was great food they brought. But like, but it in the grand scheme, it, it wasn't. Was- it didn't take me time, so I don't. I don't yeah. count. And there were some fantastic sides we brought, but from my time standpoint, it was inconsequential. It was like you brought something that's great. Open it up. Let's go. Um, the hard part was I knew I didn't have capacity to smoke six racks of ribs and do the the briskets. So since you were leaving on Friday and the party was on Saturday, we, we had some work to do. Yeah, Audible yeah, and said, let's, yeah, let's have you smoke it on Thursday night going into Friday. Yeah. So one of the things I did, was I said, you know, I told Rod, I said, look, we can employ some of the techniques that I use for a tailgate with this party. And I think everything will come out just fine. Um, so what I'll actually do is I'll smoke the ribs even a day, you know, a full day ahead. And then for the brisket, I'll put on, you know, after the ribs that night and then pull it and rest it on Friday before I leave. So my goal was before I hit the road on Friday morning, I wanted to have both briskets resting. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but we were well into it. And uh, so but uh, overall, I think it worked out. So with that plan and then Rod, of course, could put the uh, pulled pork on. Friday night, they'll cook overnight, rest, and then be ready to be pulled on Saturday. Um, so, and then, you know, I made the coleslaw for him. I made the baked beans for him. So what I did with the baked beans is I mixed it up, you know, added my little flair to it. And then I just said, put it in a crock pot, whatever time you think is necessary and let the crock pot warm it up. And by the time the party starts, those things are going to be banging. 
And so that was the plan with the baked beans. Easy peasy. The coleslaw, always better when it can sit for a day, even better when it sits for two. So I made the coleslaw on Thursday night, mixed it up, sat it aside, and let because once the that the the dressing that you make really soaks into that cabbage, man, you just that's just a really good coleslaw right there. That's you know that's how I like it. So, um, so making that coleslaw ahead of time, no big deal. The longer it sits to me, the better it is. So next up was the six racks of ribs. Um, and what I did was I took the briskets, um, out, I trimmed them and, uh, phenomenal. Oh my God. Both briskets looked phenomenal. Plenty of striation of fat in, in both of them. Um, the butcher brisket was obviously quite a bit smaller, but man, it, it cooked very well. And traditionally the, uh, Snake River Farm briskets, even though they're bigger, they tend to cook really fast, but this one was kind of thick. Um, so it did not cook as fast as they normally do, uh, for me. But either way, I trimmed them up and then I just wrapped them and tossed them in the refrigerator. The ribs, I went ahead and, uh, and so here, one of the, um, tips, uh, that I like to do is gauge your party, right? If you're doing something more intimate or, you know, something more special, then when you get your ribs, you might want to trim off. A, you know, a bit more of the excess stuff. Um, like I like to, even though the ribs, we got uh, ribs that were already trimmed, I like to retrim them a little bit just to make sure they're all uniform because I don't want to be wasting time having to leave one on. Um, I like to trim off stuff that's super thin so that it doesn't, because it's just going to burn up and it's not going to, uh, it's not going to be edible anyway. So just right. trim it off so it doesn't throw off the rest of the cook. So I like to do things like that. But at the same time, you know, for a massive party with six people, don't go crazy because a you're wasting money, right? You everything you trim off, you pay for. So, and b you know somebody you may just like they say, there's a, a, a another person for every other person, right? Same thing. Some people like you know might might like a little harder chew on their rib. Who knows? I don't know who they are, but it might be out there. But either way, try not you know try not to waste too much because you know you you paid for it. So. Just gauge how much of it you want to trim off. Um, but with that said, the ribs looked great and uh, I didn't have to do too much to them. Um, so I went ahead and trimmed them up and seasoned them up, fired up the smoker, got that rolling. And then on around, I, I anticipated about four hours, uh, for the ribs. So I just went ahead and, uh, tossed them in and let them go. And I did, you know, my typical, you know, hour and a half on the smoke and then hour and a half, uh, hour to hour and a half, it wrapped. Now the difference is normally I would unwrap the rib, put it back on and let it finish. But the plan for Rod was to take these ribs and then just reheat them on the grill. So that gives it a great charring on top, which really gives it a, a additional flavor profile on the ribs. But it also then allows you to sauce it directly on the grill. It gives you the good way to reheat it. Um, you could do it if you want to do dry rub, certainly add another layer of dry rub while it's on the grill. That's the way they do it at uh, Rendezvous down in Memphis. Um, a lot of those ribs are grilled and they just put their Rendezvous seasoning on top while they're grilling them. So it's a perfectly viable option. It makes a great rib. And that was the plan. I said, Rod, we can pre-cook these ribs, set them aside. And then on on the day, you just fire up the grill and uh 
and and reheat them on the grill. Now the difference was so that and that grill portion of it would be the final cook that I would normally do anyway on the grill. So what happened was once I wrapped those ribs, I never unwrapped them. I went ahead and glazed them, a little bit of butter, a little bit of brown sugar. I left them wrapped. And then so what that did was gave Rod a nice rib that wasn't you know, it had a little, you know, a little bit cooking to go. I mean, they were edible, but they could go a little bit further just to give, make them perfect. But that perfectness came on the grill. So, Rod, how did that go when you unfired up? Like, because obviously when you unwrapped them, they had a lot of uh, grease, uh, oil and butter and stuff around them. So how did you handle it? Yeah. So you had and it was funny because I, I when I got the ribs from you, they were already in the refrigerator. So they were already cooled down and obviously the challenge you run into is that the butter and then just the natural juices from the ribs had already congealed. So they were stuck to the ribs and you had obviously said, don't just throw that on the ribs. Cause you could have a massive fire flare. And I knew that, but I was also, also that those juices I want to use so that I can glaze or brush the ribs with. I was like, I got to get some of this off. So the first thing I actually did is um, I think of the day of the party, I took the ribs out like almost around I think it was between 12 and one because I wanted them to try to start to come to actually, no, I might've taken them out around 11 because I wanted what them time to try the party to, five. Okay. So my goal was to try to get them to go from 30 degree refrigerator cold or 32 degrees, 34 degrees refrigerator cold, depending on your refrigerator to at least accepted like room temperature. So they're, so that the grill doesn't need a lot of time to get them a temperature because I didn't want to burn the outsides at all. But also so that I could try to get some of the, uh, I'll call it the gelatin uh, deliciousness that was adhered to the ribs to kind of come off. Mm-hmm. And two hours in, I'm like, look at, I'm like, I'm screwed. Like, cause the stuff is just, it's just really congealed on. And I was like, if I start to scrape at it, I'm removing seasoning when I scrape. I was like, so this is a disaster. So I was like, I got a better plan. So what I did is I'd opened up, I'd opened them up. And I put them in a big, large, like disposable uh, tin and I turned my oven on and I turned the oven on as low as possible. I think it was maybe 160. And I put them in the oven and I tilted them up on the edge and I only put enough that they could sit in the pan and drain and I monitored them closely. They were probably each in the oven for maybe all of four minutes and the gelatin and the butters that were on them started to essentially release themselves from the meat. So then I was just stuck with meat and this, I'll call it my gelatin mixture that had started to liquefy itself. Cause my only goal was I want this because it, because they were wrapped, they became one big piece. And I was like, I can't get it off. So when they went into the oven, th- that started to melt off. And I was like, great. Now I just got ribs with not a lot of extra oils on them so that when I put them on the grill, I'm going to get a flare up. But then I also was re- able to release the natural juices they created. And then I put those into a fat separator. So I let the juices continue to heat until it became just a pure gelatin or till pure liquid, put those into my separator so I could separate the fat from the pure juices that I wanted. And then I added those with along with my barbecue sauce, because that's what I was going to glaze and brush it with when I put them on the smoker. But mm-hmm. for me, the main goal of the oven wasn't to heat the ribs because Typically, when I put, when I grabbed the ribs, I didn't even need, they were not hot at all. Like I was able to grab them out of the oven with my bare hands and put them into another tray because, and they were still cold to the touch because it was, I literally was only warming them up enough to get that gelatin, uh, and butter mixture to release off the ribs and be only in the pan. And mm-hmm. 
leaving the pan with the foil inside of it longer was enough to get because the other thing you get is that you start no matter how well you think you sealed your ribs you didn't and if as you start to unfold them you realize that if you let them go from hot in the smoker to immediately cooling but, but your folds often there's tons of butters and juices that are just kind of mixed in there. So I was like, and I'd have balls, to be, yeah. yeah, I'd have to be scraping this all day long to get it all off. So by leaving in that in the oven, all of it released off of all the foil. So, I mean, I had, I have a very large separator and I had to run for the six racks of ribs. I had to run this stuff through two separators and it wasn't pure butter. It was mostly just juices that it uh, generated from the ribs. So that was, yeah. that was fantastic. And that made that process easier. And then, yeah, I like the care that you put into that because when I do tailgates, I don't really have the opportunity to do that. Um, to so for me, I would just put the the ribs in the in the grill, but leave them in the foil, let it melt off a little bit, and then pour off the juices, and then put the gr- the ribs directly onto the uh, onto the grill, and then go ahead and heat them up. And but um, I really you know being at home and you know having that time, you you yeah, I like I like what you did there it was it was a act of desperation because it wasn't it wasn't my first go-to plan it really just came down to all right i need to get these two things separated and i did try with one rack of ribs to try to like just jiggle and move and i saw it was like when i start to try to scrape it's like i was too deep i left the line i'm like doing this on six wraps this is just this is gonna be a mess and i was like and i don't think we mention it very often but one of the things we like to do is take the juices from like ribs uh, and put it in a pot and heat it up with some additional brown sugar. But then the whatever barbecue sauce that we intend to use, you know, if mix that in there as well. And it makes a great uh, glaze oh, yeah. for, for the ribs. So I, I don't think we talk about that too much um, in the past, but uh, you know, it's definitely something that folks can try out uh, as they go along in this journey with us. Yeah, because I made a Kansas City style barbecue sauce. I think it was like a night or two before in preparation uh, for all of this. And by doing the Kansas City barbecue sauce, I'm like, I, some people just want like they like a barbecue sauce. Some people just like wing or ribs that are pure naked or with just a glaze, barely anything on them. And to me, the glaze like by combining my barbecue sauce and the glaze, they're going to get a almost a singular profile. They, if they're not going to say it, t- like the barbecue sauce is fully altering the taste of them because I glazed all the ribs with the barbecue slosh slash mixture of the juices from it. It's, it's a very similar taste and the barbecue sauce definitely was a hit. And so were the ribs. And again, on the grill, it was super fast. I had the, I fired the egg up well over an hour and a half before I needed it. So it was, it was nice and hot. The ribs mm-hmm. went on and they were, Pretty much, I went um, meat side down first, and that yep. was probably about a three-minute time frame that their ribs were on, and I always closed the grill because I didn't want flare-up, so I closed and tried to shut it down as much, uh, enough so that it would I wouldn't open up the egg and it would just flare up on me, but it was roughly three minutes one side, flipped the bone side down. It was two tops three minutes on the other side, and they were coming off, uh, and I was glazing and uh they were done yeah it was yeah, yeah that that was that was probably extremely easy and it was one of those 
that if it didn't work, I had more than sufficient time to try to uh, – actually, I was narrow on time to course correct because with any of these plans, you can't um, – you have people who are arriving. So as any person who's doing a big barbecue party knows is I can't prepare so that all the food is done and ready to go three hours before people – well, you could. But when you're audibling with something like this, you want food to be like finishing up so that you can say – Bring it inside. We're ready to cut and go. Cause again, the brisket had already rested and went down like to cool. For example, the ribs had already cooled down. I'm just kind of getting them back to temperature and ready to go. So I was, I didn't want to get them back to temperature and say, all right, well, that was three hours before and now they're cold again. I needed everything to be kind of done almost at the last second. So that it Plus was definitely a little stressful. There, you know, you can dry them out if you have to keep changing up how you're heating them up and all that stuff too. And my final question with the ribs is, uh, did you do them in half racks or did you leave them in full racks? Oh, absolutely half racks because it's full racks. Again, it's just as we all know that one side of the rack of ribs is, I don't want to say it's less meat, but it's less meat and they get a little thinner. So those tend to cook a little quicker. So I, and it was just a little easy to work with. I could kind of rearrange yeah. them on the grill a little quicker. So yeah, I went yeah, half so racks. That's one and thing I, I like got- to do. I like to do that as well. I like to cut the ribs and, and cut the racks in half. Yep. A, because if you have a bunch of small ones, it's a much more work to go back and forth, back and forth across the grill, trying to move every bone and do everything. Um, but with the full racks, you, you know, you tend to lose the angles that you can take advantage of depending on how your grill is shaped so that you can get more food on the grill. So, and, and it's just easy to work with. So I always cut mine in half when it, when I'm using the grill as a reheat method. So yeah. all that to say, folks, um, if you're having a big barbecue and, you know, timing will be an issue, ribs are a great candidate to do at least a day ahead. So that, you know, because they're easy to reheat or even if you're doing like, you know, you're planning your meals for the week and you're like, you know what, I'm going to have, you know, half rack of ribs for lunch and you want to pre-cook them. You know, that it's just a great option to kind of reheat. I think I think ribs reheat well on a grill or or something like that. It's one of my it's one of yeah, my go tos. And it's one of those funny things because you feel like you don't want people walking in and seeing you reheat food and like. God, they couldn't even prepare fresh food for us for this party. <laughs> so I, I always feel funny about trying to quote reheat stuff, but in the same respect, people come in and like, you have this, all this food. They, you had to have a, a strategy of how you were able to deliver that much food to these people in such a short period of time. So yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, my experience is most people don't even, they see all the food, but they don't, it really, unless you've done big parties, they don't, they don't really understand. Stand the lo- the logistics of how that came to be, right? It's just yep. like, give me that food. It looks good. Yeah. So, okay. So that was the rib. So that was uh, a big part of it. So let's move on to the brisket because that was the the real stellar oh, portion of this. So, one, yeah. so I told Rod, I've, I, he was asking how we should do the brisket. And I was like, you know, there's really had two options, right? I could, walk him through and get everything prepped and start smoking it before I leave. And then it'd be done. And he just pick it up you know, that night or early in the morning. Or I said, listen, I got an idea. It's something we had seen in the past. Other people have done for individual servings. Um, but let's try to s- smoke the ribs, rest them, and then let's wrap them in sous vide bags. And we will reheat the, I'm sorry, the brisket we will reheat the brisket in the sous vide machine. I personally think that was going to come out per, you know, really, really good. I was a bit nervous because I'd never, we had never done this before. I've never done it before. 
but that was the strat. And so, you know, the approach was going to be uh, cut pretty much the align, uh, cut the flat off first. And then, you know, depending on the size of the brisket, uh, cut the point in half and then, you know, wrap each one. Of so at least each brisket wrapped into three separate bags. But I guess, Rod, you said that the uh, Snake River Farm was so big, you had to put it in four bags. Yeah, that required, that was definitely a four. And what I did is I, like you said, I took uh, the, the, the point was so large, I actually had to cut it off and then in half. If you, if you can kind of visualize that, cause you know, you like yeah. normally turn it. I had to essentially cut so it was separating it, but then cut it in half. Cause it was just, there's no way that was going to fit in a bag by itself. It was just, it was just way too big. And then I cut that in half and those went into two separate bags. And even that was a, Pushing a, it. a good bit of meat in one of, in at least the bags that I use on my, uh, my, uh, my vacuum seal. But again, it fit fine. Um, and that was perfect. And then I did that way, way, way before. So if, if you want to, again, parties at five o'clock. Yep. So I pulled the brisket out at 10. So knowing that I had to sous vide it um, means that each one is going to be in for an, a period of time, at least an hour and a half to kind of get it warm. So if you back that off and you say that, all right, and mind you, I did pretty much one brisket in one run, one brisket in the other run. So you're talking at least about three hours of runtime. So at f- if you're trying to serve the food by 5.30, people getting there at five o'clock, you're backing off and saying, well, from five, three hours backed off, two o'clock is co- the ideal. So at two o'clock, you've got to be going into the sous vide machine. Um, so I was also concerned, like, what temperature should I be sous vide this at? Should I be going yep. for like a cook temperature? Should I be going here? So I started just looking to see, has anybody ever done this? Thank the Lord. Aaron Franklin has done this because he actually sells briskets for you to take home. And he has, I think it's three reheating method- methods for his briskets. And one of them is an immersion circulator. His recommendation was heat the water to 180 degrees, get your brisket in, and immediately pull uh, the temperature down to 160, which I liked and I disliked. I'll, I'll get into that in a moment. But I didn't want to be putting ice chunks, i.e. the cold brisket right out of the refrigerator, into the emergency circulator. So I pulled it out really early in the day, again, to get the, those pieces of meat to warm up so that I could get them almost to room temperature. So when they're going in, they're not super cold. So they warmed up for most of the day. I'd say, again, they came out uh, around 10 o'clock. Around just before noon, I went ahead and cut, separate them and put them in the bags. The other reason is I wanted to get them in the bags and let them sit in the bags for a little while so that if one of the bags had a microscopic hole that I just visually couldn't tell, that by sitting on the counter for 30 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour or two hours, that little bit of air that was leaking into the bag, it would no longer look like a vacuum seal. So that a part of mine was the last thing I want to do is destroy brisket uh, by mm-hmm. putting putting in a water bath and not realizing until I pulled it out of the water that the bag is damn near full of water and like just thinking like, oh my God, I'm destroying this party. So that's in part, again, goal was get it from being refrigerator cold to roughly room temperature. And I need to give that a couple hours just because it's such a thick cut of meat. And then part two was to have it vacuum sealed for a couple hours prior to going in the emergency circulated just to, to catch anything. Cause again, I only got one chance at this. And the other thing is you're trying, you got to check the temperature of the meat and you only get one shot at that. Cause as soon as you put your thermometer in it, well, 
you could have two, but as soon as you put your thermometer in it, you've broken the seal on the bag. So you'd have to redo the bag in order to do that. So my goal was Aaron Franklin said roughly, yeah, not to do it. Aaron Franklin said roughly an hour and a half. And I attempted an hour and a half with my first run. And I would honestly say you're probably pushing more closer to around two hours or you have to do it at a higher temperature, which is what I did with the second batch. So the butcher brisket went first and I called Chris after. So what I did is I pulled the briskets out and I, the first brisket I cut was the book, butch, the brisket we got from the butcher. And, you know, separating that, I had like my electric knife because it, I didn't cut it into slices. I only cut it into chunks. And I was like, the butcher's was definitely, I don't want to say tough because that's, that's very, it was just, you could feel like it was a very cold piece of meat. So it was like, it cut, it wasn't horrible. But when I pulled out the Snake River Farm, that thing cut. Honestly, like it was a mildly warm brisket. It was it just yeah. the physical Slid touch of right it, there. everything. It was just yeah. so soft. So I was like, all right, I knew that was going to be ridiculous. The other one, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. The, the butcher may be, uh, be on notice right now if this one doesn't come out well. <laughs> but again, got him into the bags. The butcher's one went into the emergency circulator first, and I went exactly on with 180, put it in, go down to 160, one and a half hours in. Now, the first problem I ran into, which I think we had identified early, is that... Oh, hold on. Let's not gloss over that. So, you you you, you expected to cook the brisket at 160 degrees in the, in the water. So, you set it to 180 to help offset the drop in temperature from a much colder brisket. So yes. I, I want to yeah. make sure people understand what that's... Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're waiting for it to drop and then come back up and it throws off your cook time. If you just you know account for Start it ahead high. of time... Bring you're it down, you're yeah. good to go. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So started water at 180, dropped the briskets in immediately. As soon as the brisket is the water, I take it down to 160. The problem I first ran into was I had everything done. I got, I boiled some, I, so I took some water from my, my faucet, which actually puts out pretty damn hot water. Plus I boiled some water and poured it in. And I was still about 15 degrees off when you consider mixing the two waters, just cause I, I didn't, Think, you forget how big these immersion circulators are. So I started the process for heating the water at like 125 with the plan. It was going to go in at two o'clock. Two o'clock came and I passed two o'clock by like almost 15 minutes just getting the water to one uh, to 180. Now, of course, you guys can immediately see the stupidity on my part. I forgot to calculate that when I pull brisket one out and go to brisket two, I have to take that water from 160 all the way back up to 180. So there's this gap time that I just did not think to plan for. And I should have yeah, started. Same thing it. happened to me when I did all the chickens. I forgot uh, that the smoker has to come back up to temperature. Yeah, yeah. And with the smoker, it's probably a lot quicker than with an, the immersion circulator. I mean, I was, I was losing about 30 minutes. So when I pulled the brisket out, for the first one, it came out. Well, I not only water. that, but getting the new, taking all the chickens off, putting the chickens on, getting yeah. them out the refrigerator, moving it all, you know what I'm saying? And, and, you it know, adds and up. unloading that. It, that, that time adds up. So here we go again. You know, we gave you guys a tip to make sure you pad your timing stats for stuff like these incidentals. And here we are with another incidental that you know, I, I would never have thought of that either. I didn't think it, I did, it didn't dawn on me until. I was waiting for the water to heat and I was like, oh my God, I got to take it back out to 180. So my audible plan was, all right, I know I have 160 degree water temperature. So I'm going to boil some water right next to the stove, a lot of it, so that I can essentially for every cup I remove, 
out of here. I'm putting a cup in to get this to temperature as qu- quickly as possible, which actually worked out well. So rather than taking like 30 minutes for me to get to temperature by just adding boiling hot water, which is 212 degrees, it was, a- I was able to get it to temperature in like, like four minutes. Uh, and that was just the time it took me to remove a cup, add a cup, remove or remove two cups, add two cups, remove and add. And I, what I did was trying to avoid is overshooting my temperature. And now I'm waiting for water to cool down, which is, Honestly, I just didn't want to play the seesaw game. So I would pull some water out, add some in. All right, it's come up two or three degrees. And I just kept doing that. And then finally, about six minutes in, I was like dead on temperature. It was like a degree or so off. And I got to, I think it was like 178.5 or 0.9. And I was like, close enough, putting it in. Because again, I didn't want to waste a lot of time. All right. So the first brisket came out and I'm like, this is going to be perfect. I put, and this was an hour and a half in. And this was a brisket that I brought to almost room temperature from roughly 10 o'clock in the day, not putting it in the emergency circulator until 2 o'clock and pulling it out at 3.30. So I'm thinking it had to hit temperature. No, no, no. It does not. It was 140 degrees, which, again, is plenty warm. No one's going to bite into meat that's 140 degrees in temperature and think, oh, my gosh, this is cold. So I knew it was warm enough. I threw it directly into the caterer. I was like, I don't have to heat it anymore. And it actually was perfect. But my goal with the next brisket was I got to get this damn thing warmer. Like I want it hot. So this one, I said, I'm going to start with 180, just like I did before. However, rather than taking it down to 160, I only took it down to 170 and mm-hmm. I actually let it run a little bit. Or wait, I took it down to 170 after an hour or sorry, I from 180, I took it immediately down to 170, left it there for about an hour and then I pulled it, then I let it come down to 160 for another hour. So this one was in for two hours and had an hour at 10 degrees warmer. When I pulled the second one out, I, and mind you, I pulled the second one out and I was going directly to cutting because at that point in time, it was almost 530 and I had to cut brisket. People were actually ready to start getting food. So I pulled the first brisket, cut it. It was definitely warm. It was looked great. It, I could press slightly on the brisket, see it crying like you want to see with your brisket. It looks Which is gorgeous. amazing. So this is a brisket that was smoked the day before, vacuum sealed. You know, no extra juices added except for the no. You did. Pour, did you? Oh pour yeah, something yeah, in the bag yeah. Before we you talk about that. that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. to we had gone back and forth about how, what how should I make sure there are some juices in with the brisket because you know naturally like if it's sat and cooled down in the refrigerator it's going to have juices naturally in the meat. But how can – should I add some more? Should I add a broth? Should I add as you? And should I add like a Wagyu? No, no, no. What we did is when I opened up the brisket, I did the same thing I did with the ribs is I took the paper and the stuff and I put it in the oven, let all that melt. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I took the gel, um, that you, the gelatin part. I put that in with the um, – with in the in the vacuum seal bag and I took a little bit of fat and dropped in the each one of the vacuum seal bag had just a little bit of each one. The rest I put in the oven and I let that heat up, use the fat separator again to separate out just the juices so that after the briskets were cut, I just poured the extra the remaining juices over top of them and got rid of the fat. So the when the first brisket came out, super juicy Looked gorgeous, sliced easy. It was definitely money. And I actually had a number of the kids who were there like, oh, I want some brisket sampling. And they were like, this is good. And that was the butcher. I was like, if they like this one, oh, no, you, you just wait. So your initial concerns were assuaged because, uh, you know, after you heated it up and cut it, it cut perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this was this was the one that heated first and sat 
for another two hours before. And that was still warm after sitting in the Caterade for two hours. So I was like, if this one's fine, I know the one coming out of the emergency circulator is fine. And of course, you pe- people coming in, they're looking like, what is this? What is this thing you have there and there? Like, what are you boiling in here? I'm like, I'm not boiling. I'm just reheating the brisket because I need to do something the day before. I kind of explained to people. I was like, it's called sous vide. It's an emergency. You know, explain them what it is. So like people are like, right. oh, okay, it sounds really cool. I was like, the meat was smoked. It wasn't boiled or anything like that. Like, let's not go go leave here <laughs> telling, telling here. stories. <laughs> yeah, I don't need I don't need any rumors started about my barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we um, when I the second brisket when I pulled out of the water, that was piping hot. Like it was. The, I, I didn't I didn't temp it because again at that point in time I'm serving we're serving food so I'm cutting and putting on the board. It was uncomfortable for me to hand it, manage with my hands. Like when I was pulling it out, it, there was pain pulling it out of the bag because it was just mm. so stinking hot. So that to me, if I, if someone said I had to do this reheating a br- brisket again, I would absolutely do sous vide. I would do it at 180. I would pull it down to 170, let it go for about an hour and I would go for two hours or go 165 ish for the full two hours. But that, I think that additional 30 minutes is absolutely needed because while it sounds simple to say, Oh, well, if it's a little over temperature, just rebag it and start and start again. Often that's not the plan because it, it's really hard to tell like, Hey, hun, let's have everything ready for dinner. Let me pull the brisket. Oh, it's not at temp. Now we got to wait another 30 to 40 minutes while I, I got to rebag it, put it back in and then hope it's going to come up to temperature. Like people, you just got to piss people off that way. So I knew that I had a, I had a narrow window of time and I would say if I had to do it all over again, I had a plan for each one to have two hours versus an hour and a half. And he did say if check it after an hour and a half. But to me, I was like, if he's saying an hour and a half, it'll be done. It's ready to go because he's selling his briskets and giving people reheating instructions. And again, an hour and a half, it was warm. It just wasn't hot. And when the second time through, this was definitely hot, definitely not dried out. The brisket was on point. Like I had no shortage of people saying how fantastic the brisket taste, how amazing it was. How could we give their husbands cooking lessons? Like it was, <laughs> it was definitely one, one. And I was like, and you know, of course in the back of your head, you're thinking if you like reheated brisket that much, wait till you try. And to me, you cannot look at this as being a reheated brisket. You have to look at this as being a, a brand new cooked brisket because it was just a method for getting it back to temperature, but make no mistakes about it. If you would have, if I had to cut a brisket that just came off, that had came off the smoker, rested and cut you a slice and cut you a slice of this and said, tell me which one was the one that sat in the refrigerator or was cooked the day before, sat in the refrigerator and was reheated with sous vide. You couldn't have told you, you literally could not tell the difference that it was yeah. unbelievable. That's good. I was, you know, at the beach. I was waiting all day to hear if this thing came out good. I was like, is this guy going to message me or what? And then finally the messages start coming in. Everything was fantastic. You know, every, you know, high praises. And, you know, it's always sucks when you're not there to kind of reap the reward of the of the cook that you put together. So but I was extremely happy that uh, it came out very good and you know, the, some of the compliments that I heard were, you know, just, you know, made, made me very happy. So some of the things that I did to kind of prepare the brisket for this method of reheating, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a big proponent of uh, 
about a 200, 205 uh, pull when it comes to briskets. Um, but I actually had these pulled at 195 because what I was thinking was if my normal pull rest straight to somebody's stomach is 200, but this needs a little bit of space to be reheated. Uh, so I'm going to take it down. So much like I did the ribs, I didn't do the final cook on the ribs in the smoker. I did the same thing with the brisket. I just took it to 195. Now this is, again, this is, it was just my guess. So I have to, it'll definitely be something we experiment with in the future. So if I have, you know, if I take one to 205 and does it, do I notice a difference? Is it the same? You know, whatever. But this, just my mind was like, let's do these two 195. Um, I had anticipated about 13 hours of smoke time. Uh, the butcher brisket kind of sat within that 11 hour range, but the, the snake river farm brisket was, it hit a stall. That was one of the most phenomenal stalls I had ever seen on a piece of meat that I cooked. I mean, it hit one fifty-five, and I think it sat there for almost three hours. I just could not believe it. Um, but in that mode, and this is something we've talked about. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm not going to wait. I, I like to wrap around 165, but I'll say I'm not going to necessarily wait to 165. If I see the color on the brisket that I like, I'm just going to wrap it. Period. And once it hit that and it hit that color, it had hit like 161, 162. But the color, the outside of that brisket just looked so good. I was like, time to wrap. Um, I did wrap both briskets in butcher paper. I did use uh, uh, some, uh, what's it called, Rod? The, the fat? Uh, Wagyu. Uh, um, beef tallow, sorry. Tallow, yeah, tallow. So I did use the beef tallow on them. Um, and one of the things I did is I actually did uh, a pretty, a little bit heavier of a seasoning in the wrap that I normally I just do like a nice little sprinkle on top just to kind of add it to cook in but i gave it a little bit more because in the event that uh when it was in the sous vide that the bag broke i didn't want you know rod to just be like all right i gotta throw this away you know i wanted to give it an opportunity to still have some good flavor and bark on the outside of it so i just gave it a little bit more rub than normal nothing crazy just a little bit um but i didn't do anything crazy to the brushes because I, i wanted to I just wanted, I didn't want to do anything crazy because I didn't know what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. So I didn't even in, inject these briskets, which I would normally would have done. I did not. Um, <clears throat> I just said, you know what? We're just going to keep somewhat basic. I did do three layers of rub. So I didn't go salt and pepper. I actually put a brisket rub on, on the brisket as well. Um, and I gave it a little bit of sugar, a sugary sweet rub on top. Um, and, I used uh, maple wood and uh, oak on the smoke, but uh, once I wrapped that brisket and then it, it it had it was clear to me based on the the estimation by the uh, by the thermometer by the meter and just my own experience, I was like, "There's no way this brisket should be done before I gotta leave uh, for the beach." Uh, so I so Rod just just came through. I had pulled the other brisket for him. I put it in the caterade. So in the in the caterade, I had one brisket in the refrigerator. I had six racks of ribs, and then the other brisket. So all Rod had to do was one. You know, I think it took another two and a half hours. Yeah, 
um, by the time I left. And uh, once that thing hit, I and once I <clears throat> once those hit, and one of the cool things because Rod just Rod was working, so what I did was I pulled up the uh, meter. So meter actually does provide a share link where you can look at the cook on on the web. And so I pulled up a web page uh, so Rod could monitor the cook with the meter. I didn't realize it had done that, but that is really really cool. And then on another web page, I had pulled up my the temperature of the smoker off of the uh, Flame Boss. So Flame Boss definitely has their uh, local website, My Flame Boss, uh, where you can monitor your smoker temps and all that stuff. So I was monitoring it as I was driving out to the beach, but uh, it was kind of cool to just leave up on the monitor so that Rod could you know keep keep a quick eye on it while he was working and uh, doing his thing. So that was really cool. So once the um, second brisket hit temperature uh he went ahead and pulled that out and threw it in the caterade and so one of the things i offered rod was to use the carlisle caterade so the difference with the carlisle is that the this is my five level uh food warmer or food food keeper and uh this thing is massive uh, so, you know, I have a tray that I keep in the middle of it just to kind of prevent things from falling and collapsing on whatever is on the very bottom. So I like that thing because it has like a, a, a latch, a latch door has a massive gasket on, on the door as well. And that thing definitely can keep food hot five, six hours. Easy, easy. And that's why I love it as the perfect place to rest the brisket. And it has these two two handles on the top of it. And that's the the only downside to it. Cause even in my pickup truck with the handles on, it becomes too tall for the bed and the, uh, and my torno cover. So the, tor- I can't close the truck all the way. So one of the reasons why I actually bought the, these, uh, Caterade styrofoam containers that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> was just for that. If I have a cook that, you know, doesn't require that many shelves, I can use the Caterade uh, styrofoam containers and, uh, those can fit in the trunk. They actually fit in my frunk on my, uh, on my lightning. So those, uh, and those Caterade styrofoam containers, they're, they're, they're inexpensive, man. Those things are, I, if you don't, if you've ever wanted to get one, cause like the Caterade you have, I think is ex- it, that one. Yeah. The big one is like, it's big. Dollars. It's a little awkward and it's a couple hundred bucks. But if you want to get into beast. one of the foam ones, <laughs> The foam ones are money, and and the seal on it is insane. Yeah, I was showing Rod. I was like, "Be careful when you open it because you probably you know you could break it because it seals so tight, and it you know that uh, you know you got to kind of work your way around it first to get that thing to open." So I was like showing him before I left. I was like, "Here, you know, lift up here, lift up here, lift up here until you get it open." And it's 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 big enough to hold about three of the you know. 24 inch pans are probably about a, I think it's like an inch and a half, two inch deep uh, stacked on top of each other, but it's also very light. So storing them because, you know, we tell you to buy these things, but you also got to store them and uh, being able to store them uh, sometimes can be a problem. So being, being able to store those piece of cake, you know, and uh, I, I just, I was thoroughly impressed because I originally bought them for my buddies when I did the chickens, like a, uh, a couple weeks ago, the hundred chicken quarters. Um, but th- this, th- these things are definitely going to be in my rotation. Plus, it now gives gave Rod the ability to have two briskets 
in in a in a Caterade. He could also have two pulled porks. He could put a place to salmon. You know, it just added more versatility to storm food. And they can keep them hot or cold. So it doesn't matter which direction you want to go. It's good for both. But I really, uh, those things are coming in clutch. So, you know, for folks that have looked at the Carlisle that I have um, and like, yeah, it's a bit out of my budget, man, definitely check out the Caterade, the, the styrofoam ones. They, 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 I'm thoroughly impressed with them. I, I was, <clears throat> I liked it because I had, was it Mac and it wasn't mac and cheese. It was some. Oh, I think it was when I had the 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 brisket that came out. I put it in one of those, and mm. I just because I was like, oh, I don't want to put it in here because there'll be water on the bottom. Not mind just styrofoam wasn't going to be really a big deal, but I put one of the larger trays at the bottom of it, and it covered the entire bottom. And I'm like, if you were to pull like a big mac and cheese out, it would sit perfectly in the bottom and cover it almost edge to edge. And I was like, this is perfect because I put a big chin in the bottom. I threw them out of the, I didn't even have to dry them off. I threw them directly into the tray. And when I took it back to you, you wouldn't have known I even used it. It was so perfect. So I, I will say those are nice because they're light. They're easy to deal with once you pull stuff out. And it's something that I, you know, if you like, uh, the other one, you're just going to get natural condensation that builds up inside of it and it wants to leak down. So when you open the door, you, you might get some condensation that's kind of coming out of the door. If you don't, like the other one is larger and I don't want to say it's awkward to carry, but you have to do a two person carry. And if you have a tray that has liquids in it, you're a little concerned. So I actually, the other, the third one I used, uh, that I had, I used brisket. I put, um, sorry to pull pork in it. So I put the two trays of for the, uh, pulled pork in it and they just sat and mm. rested uh, on the table. And it was fine because it's very easy to, to again, move and carry around because it's pretty much just the weight of the meat you put in there because there, I mean, there is no weight for those things at all. So that I, I would absolutely say if it wasn't for the fact that you live so close, I would buy them because they're, they're just fantastic. Yeah. They did a great job. So that's it folks. There you go. That's uh. so hopefully this episode gave you guys some ideas on how to better plan a, a large barbecue and uh, some, some tips you can use to, um, to really kind of work around timing and, you know, smoker size and all of that stuff, man. Cause yeah. uh, I'm really happy the way it came out. And, you know, I never thought about using a, uh, a, the sous vide. I'd heard people using that method to reheat, uh, or just like, you know, vacuum sealing a bag and then putting it in boiling water. I've seen people do as well. But, uh, man, that sous vide method is definitely going to, uh, take front and center in the, in the future for me. If you need any justification to spend more money, we're your justification. <laughs> I'm here for you. We are here for you. All right, man. Let's bounce up out of here. All right. We're happy to be back. We're out. Peace. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started <laughs> 